BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge, coming to you, as always, from my beautiful closet here in Joshua Tree, California. This episode is the very first in our Fast Facts series. The goal of episodes in this series is to break down recent developments or convoluted legal issues in 15 more minutes or less. A challenge for any lawyer, I know. On today's episode, I am going to flag key elements of the three executive orders signed by President Biden on Wednesday, January 27th, as part of what has been dubbed Climate Day. This episode is not, not designed to be a comprehensive review of the orders. It's a rundown of the items that I consider most notable from a practical standpoint. All right, I'm going to set my timer for 15 minutes. First EO. This is the big one. Executive order on tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. Exactly what it sounds like. Two buckets of items. Things that we're going to do as part of foreign policy. Things that we're going to do domestically here in the U.S. First item. The order says, center the climate crisis in U.S. foreign policy and national security considerations. Exactly what this sounds like. Establishes a climate consideration as an essential element of U.S. foreign policy. Next up, the order says, start the process for the U.S. to develop its nationally determined contribution, basically our emissions reduction target under the Paris Agreement. This is important. Paris itself doesn't really require us to do anything. It's just an agreement that we will do something. What this executive order is saying is we're going to come up with what that something is, And it's going to be the first step in shaping our domestic climate policy. What the Biden administration is saying is, what is our target that we're going to be swinging at? And that will drive forward the domestic policy and tie into that as well. Next up, the order says, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of the Treasury, and the Secretary of Energy shall work together with the Export-Import Bank of the United States, the Chief Executive Order officer of the DFC and the heads of other agencies and partners as appropriate to identify steps through which the United States can promote ending international financing of carbon intensive fossil fuel based energy. This is exactly what it sounds like. Next up, the order requires the State Department to prepare a transmittal package to the Senate for the Kigali amendments to the Montreal Protocol. The Kigali Amendments, for anyone who doesn't know, is a 2016 global pact under the Montreal Protocol to phase down climate warming HFCs by more than 80%, basically in CO2 equivalent, over the next 30 years. More than 100 nations have already ratified the Kigali Amendment. This is a big deal because it touches so many different industries. Aerosols, refrigeration, appliances, basically companies that sell their products worldwide. Next up, the order says, take a whole government approach to the climate crisis. 
This is formally establishing the White House Office of Domestic Climate Policy, which will be helmed by Gina McCarthy, and create a central office in the White House that is charged with coordinating and implementing the president's domestic climate agenda. Notably, it also establishes the National Climate Task Force, which pulls together leaders from 21 different federal agencies and departments to allow them to look at this whole government approach. So when you hear things in the news, like the administration saying that every agency is a climate agency now, this is what they're referring to. It's a fundamental shift from thinking about climate as something addressed by the US EPA as part of the Clean Air Act to thinking about climate as something that is addressed by all the alphabets, Department of Energy, FERC, Department of the Interior, Department of Agriculture, Department of Transportation, just to name a few. Next up, leverage the federal government's footprint and buying power to lead by example. The order says, direct the federal agencies to procure carbon pollution-free electricity and clean zero emission vehicles to create good paying union jobs and stimulate clean energy industry. You could summarize this as we're going to put our money where our mouth is. This one has a grab bag of notable items and is among the most significant action items in the executive order because it can be implemented quickly and with existing authorities. Next up, the order directs each federal agency to develop a plan to increase the resilience of its facilities and operations to address the impacts of climate change. Essentially, what this is saying is we are weatherizing. Um, how are these infrastructure, what is our steel in the ground need in order to withstand 100-year storms? This has also been thought of as an issue of national security. Next up. The order directs the Secretary of Interior to, and this is no surprise to anyone who has listened to the news today or yesterday or this week and probably next week, one, pause on entering into new oil and natural gas leases on public lands or offshore waters to the extent possible. Two, launch a rigorous review of all existing leasing and permitting practices related to fossil fuel development on public lands and waters. And three, Identify steps that can be taken to double renewable energy production from offshore wind by 2030. Next up, the order directs federal agencies to eliminate fossil fuel subsidies as consistent with applicable law and identify new opportunities to spur innovation, commercialization, and deployment of clean energy technology and infrastructure. Here, again, going back to putting money where our mouth is, they're saying we are going to stop programs that support fossil fuel infrastructure. If you are a company that depends on loan programs or grants or tax credits and you're a fossil company, keep an eye on your funding mechanisms. If you're a company that is looking for funding to transition to one of these clean energy technologies, invest in hydrogen, or start to explore carbon capture use and sequestration, keep an eye open for opportunities. They will be directed by this executive order. Next up, the order says rebuild our infrastructure for a sustainable economy. Requires steps to be taken to accelerate clean energy and transmission projects under federal siting and permitting processes in an environmentally sustainable manner. 
This is notable and significant because it's critical to the implementation of the administration's goal of decarbonizing the electric sector. Next up, the order says, Advance Conservation Agriculture and Reforestation. This also could be called the Land Management Order. It's notable because it directs the Secretary of Agriculture to figure out how to use federal programs to encourage the adoption, and does use the word encourage, not require, the adoption of climate-friendly agricultural practices that produce carbon reductions. Next up, revitalize energy communities. This order addresses the cleanup of mining, well sites, and investment in brownfields. There's not too many details here, but I would anticipate new funding streams to incentivize economic revitalization around Brownfield site. As a former University of Maryland School of Law alumni who spent years living near the Inner Harbor in Baltimore, Maryland, I'm definitely pro-Brownfield redevelopment. Sticking with the fast facts approach, next up, the order requires secure environmental justice and spur economic opportunity. This is formalizing President Biden's commitment to environmental justice. It establishes a White House Environmental Justice Interagency Council and a White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council. Again, they're going to take the whole-of-government approach to addressing environmental injustices. This includes environmental justice enforcement through, quote-unquote, new or strengthened offices at EPA, the Department of Justice, and the Department of Health and Human Services. I would note that we have a host of resources available on our BakerBots website for folks who are interested in a deeper dive on environmental justice. I'm going to flag all of them in the episode notes so that you can have them at your fingertips. And that's a wrap for our first EO and what I would consider the notable highlights. Moving on to the second EO, its title is Scientific Integrity Presidential Memorandum. This one is just what it sounds like. It directs the agencies to make evidence based on decisions guided by the best available data and science. Really, from a practical standpoint, the real notable item is that this will impact who gets money, who gets funding for research and for certain research projects. 30O, last one in the batch, Executive Order Establishing the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. This order reestablishes the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology, affectionately called PCAST or PCAST. The PCAST is co-chaired by the President's Science Advisor and will advise the President on policy that affects science, technology, and innovation. And with that, we have run through all three EOs. All right, that was a lot of information. But what should you take away from it? I suggest two key takeaways. One, that we are going to see climate policy implemented through new pathways, especially those tied to funding mechanisms, whether that's purchase power, loans, or research grants. Two, that we are going to see changes and likely an uptick in enforcement actions focused on addressing environmental justice concerns. As a final note, Links to the climate orders, as well as the White House press conference with Gina McCarthy and John Kerry addressing the orders, are available in our episode notes. Also available are links to 
our environmental justice webinars. If you have ideas for future Fast Facts episodes, some burning question about an environmental statute, come on, you know you have one, or basic questions that you've never wanted to own up to asking, in your head you're going, will this sound dumb if I ask? Those are perfect. Send them my way at megan.burge at bakerbots.com, M-E-G-I-N dot B-E-R-G-E at bakerbots.com. If I don't know the answer, I am guarantee I know someone who does, and maybe it will be the subject of a future Fast Facts podcast. We are at the end, or maybe slightly over, our time for this first Fast Facts episode. I'm Megan Burge. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.